Hello, and welcome back to Wilderness Medicine Updates, the podcast for providers at the edges. I'm your host, Patrick Fink. Today, I want to bring to you a short thought piece that I wrote for a different outlet, but I think will be valuable to you here, and it addresses the idea of scene safety. I'm going to read it in its entirety in one go, and I'd be really curious to hear what you think about this approach to scene safety. At the end, please remember to reach out to us if you have any thoughts on the subject. But here, without further ado, is a short piece on scene safety. The scene is safe. Essentially, all medical training courses teach the use of a scene size-up. The provider, reaching the scene of the accident or the site of the patient, evaluates the scene to determine whether it is safe to enter. In my EMT basic course back in 2009, all scenarios began with the same recitation. BSI, scene is safe. Repeating this mantra with each case, it became ingrained. Essentially, never was the scene unsafe in simulation, as that would have ended the case. With the exception of teaching hazmat response, it was assumed that we, the rescuer, would be going in, wearing our body substance isolation. I recently came across a fascinating and freely available article in the Journal of Emergency Medical Services entitled, Safety is Third, Not First, and We All Know It Should Be. This article was written by a group of authors who wrestled with the issue of risk in training as they built a wilderness EMS training course, and the article hinges around the saying, Safety Third. Safety Third is a tongue-in-cheek reference to the ubiquitous Safety First moniker of any hazardous job site. It was reportedly first coined by Mike from the TV show Dirty Jobs to highlight a different attitude towards safety from this empty corporate slogan. While Safety First emphasizes adherence to standardized protocol measures and protocols, its mindless repetition and the feeling of being a corporate management slogan make it essentially useless. The Safety First adherent probably assumes that someone else is responsible for their safety and that if they adhere to the rules, they are going to be safe. The safety third practitioner recognizes a more complex world. For the wilderness EMS provider, the mountain medical rescuer, and the ski patroller, the scene is never totally safe. As the authors point out, safety first may be reasonable for recreational groups like the Boy Scouts. Given a mission of teamwork and character building, encountering an unsafe environment should probably prompt abandonment and rescheduling of an activity. This can't be the attitude of a professional rescuer. By its very nature, the mountain environment is hazardous to both patients and providers. The interventions and mitigations needed to improve safety at a given scene will be unique to that scene and its demands. Once in place, they are at best mitigations. Risk is not eliminated, and worse, it will evolve with time, weather conditions, and available resources. Acknowledging the ever-present risk to the rescuer is the starting point for safer operations and better training. Instead of trainings that begin with a meaningless mantra about risk, BSI, seen as safe, the evaluation and management of risky situations should be part of trainings. This aligns with the thought that we should practice how we play. Because when in stressful or complex situations, we don't rise to the level of the occasion, we fall to the level of our training. If risk evaluation and mitigation is integral to training, then the trainee is going to implement informed evaluations and mitigations while in the field under stress. 
But we all know that the only thing in education that is worse than a text-ridden PowerPoint presentation is being forced to role-play. We can't fake risk. We can review real cases with real risk and use these as mental simulations, but nothing can simulate the personal, physical, and emotional response to risk. It's important for a medical rescuer to be exposed to these responses so that they can learn to recognize and manage them in addition to managing other objective risks. For this reason, medical rescuers need live fire drills. During the rock rescue portion of my diploma in mountain medicine training, this concept was applied by conducting rescue scenarios in inherently dangerous environments. By conducting simulated rescues in an ungroomed backcountry location, moving real humans in a litter on complex terrain, risk mitigation was not just simulated but applied. The cost of this training is the possibility of real harm to the trainees. Imagine rockfall causing harm to someone in a litter or someone suspended on a rope. Or because backups aren't being used in addition to redundant systems, failure of a primary system could result in harm or even death. However, the benefit of this kind of training is a deeper and more ingrained response to risk. So if safety is third, what's first and second? For the authors, the first consideration is, quote, getting the job done, and the second is, quote, having fun. Getting the job done refers to the idea that our existence as a rescuer is pointless if we can't execute the rescue. While this might sometimes be the case, the attitude of getting the job done drives the rescuer to see the way forward and what the needed resources and mitigations might be to get the job done. As Glib is saying safety third, have fun references why we're here in this field and also allows us to tap into our deeper judgment. Perhaps this is not type one fun, but when engaged in the job that we've chosen and that brings great reward, we should feel like we're fueling that passion. When a scene or rescue becomes unfun, or we recognize the feeling in ourselves that we no longer want to be there, that should prompt interrogation of that feeling and its origin. Maybe our intuition is bringing to our attention risk that we have failed to mitigate. Or deeper still, it could be a trigger to evaluate whether it's right for us to be on that scene, on that mountain that day, or even in our career at all. Anything that seems simple and clear-cut, like BSI, seen as safe, is making a shallow problem out of a deep one. Losing nuance, we shortchange ourselves and our rescue partners. We give up responsibility for our safety to the organization, and we give it away to the protocol. We turn off our brain and move to the next problem. The next time that I have the opportunity to construct a training or discuss risk, I'll be looking to build in safety third. You should too. All right, that's all for today. Thanks again for listening to Wilderness Medicine Updates. I'm very curious to hear if you have any thoughts on this subject, and you're welcome to reach out to me at wildernessmedicineupdates at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at WildMedUpdates. As always, if you can share this podcast with a friend who might appreciate it, you'll expand the impact of what I'm trying to do here, and I really appreciate that. 
Five-star reviews on iTunes or whatever outlet you use to get your podcasts are also super helpful in getting this podcast in front of more listeners. And I appreciate the time you take to do that. Until next time, stay fit, stay focused, stay ready, and have fun.